You're listening to episode number seven of the Nurture Me podcast. Let's get real. There's a lot of information online about diets and anti-diets and conflicting information about what people should eat or shouldn't eat. And then there's when to eat and how much to eat. I mean, just Google nutrition and you'll be bombarded with various diets, opinions, and tidbits. Get it? It gets confusing. Which is one of the reasons why I got certified in holistic nutrition. You're listening to the Nurture Me podcast, the only podcast that teaches you how to transform your physical and mental well-being so that you can feel your very best. We firmly believe that life is more than another diet. It's time to hear from the experts and support the self-love revolution. Here's your host, educator, nutrition and mindset coach, Jenna Lesnar. I'm a scientist and I do my own research. And I think that's important because I know how to read actual scientific literature. And I can tell you if it's a good study or not because there's a lot to consider. Who funded the research? Is it biased? What was the sample size? What methods did they use? And what were their findings? And that's why I have a greater understanding of the effects our diets have on the bodies, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. And I wholeheartedly believe that if I told clients they could have their cake and eat it too, I would be doing them a great disservice. From an early age, I knew I was here to make a difference, but it took me years to figure that out and what it meant and looked like from a practical standpoint. All I knew was that I wanted to actually help people make a positive impact on their lives. Nutrition is something I hold very closely to my heart. It's what lights me up when I talk about it. It's what I read in my spare time, and it's what I do on a daily basis. Nutrition isn't just my career choice, it's my life. But my passion for nutrition began long before I enrolled in nutrition school, because nutrition literally changed my life. In my late 20s as a university graduate, it wasn't that I didn't understand that binging on junk food and overeating healthy meals wasn't in my best interest. It was the practical application that I struggled with most. How does one diet and lose weight but not starve themselves and constantly feel restricted? When I realized I was approaching this diet thing from the wrong mindset, everything shifted. I'll be honest, during my 130 pound weight loss, I was extremely restrictive. But what I did right was focus on whole foods and I learned which foods made me feel really good and which foods left me feeling lethargic, bloated, or physically ill. What I could see so clearly was after removing so many processed foods was that many of my symptoms that I just thought were normal could be improved with a few simple dietary changes. And that was the beginning of my career. When I started focusing on whole foods and less on calorie counting, my body changed. Not only did I lose weight, but I also had more energy, I slept better, and my depression improved. I didn't reinvent the wheel, I simply learned to listen to my body. And when family, friends, and coworkers began to notice and ask me for help with their diet, I knew that nutrition was my calling. But nonetheless, I promise to provide you with my top five nutrition tips for general optimal health. Please keep in mind that there's no one-size-fits-all approach due to our bio-individuality. What works for me won't necessarily work for you or your neighbor. But after studying, researching, and working with countless clients, I have come to a few conclusions that may benefit the general public. Number one, 
eat more vegetables. Seems like a no-brainer, but do you know how many servings of vegetables you're currently eating? Because I recommend upwards of 10 servings a day. And I know what you're thinking, that's a lot. But here's the thing about vegetables. They provide a wide range of nutrients, not just one or two specific nutrients. Nutrients are not only protein, fat, and carbohydrates, but they're also vitamins and minerals that our body uses as catalysts for biochemical reactions to produce energy and allow our bodies to function like well-oiled machines. Eating more vegetables not only improves your health by the quantity of nutrient-dense vegetables, but when you begin consuming more of them, they push foods out of your diet that maybe aren't serving your health. Because at the volume I suggest, there's a lot less room in your stomach for refined and processed foods, which makes consuming vegetables a win-win every way you look at it. Number two, quality. We're pretty fortunate in Canada to be surrounded by quality produce, meat, and fish. I have a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture and I majored in Animal Science with a focus on industrial animal production. You know those large chicken or hog barns or massive feedlots of beef cattle you see while you're driving down the road? That's what I focus my studies on. And they're a long way from holistic health. What I learned over the course of my degree was how to maximize production, i.e. profit. How increasing stocking densities would produce the largest quantity of meat. How to increase the growth of an animal in the shortest amount of time to effectively manipulate variables such as lighting to ensure maximum growth. But where is the joy in raising animals this way? And it was the joy of growing up on a beef farm that I love so much about the agriculture industry and why I wanted to pursue a career in it. The joy of seeing a baby calf frolic around an open pasture alongside her mother. The joy of calving season and watching the miracle of birth at 2 a.m. in the middle of spring. But there is no joy in housing thousands of animals into one industrial-sized barn. Partway through my degree, I realized this is not the industry I wanted to work in. It's not natural to raise animals in confinement, and if this is how our food is raised, what is it doing to those of us who are consuming it? The quality of our meat is important to the quality of our nutrition. So ironically, my thesis for my bachelor's degree was on how to increase conjugated linoleic acid in beef which is also known as CLA. CLA is an antioxidant which has proven to have various health benefits in humans, such as improving cardiovascular imbalances, blood sugar regulation, and weight loss. During my research, I found that beef cattle that were fed a natural diet of grass were able to produce CLA in higher quantities, and grass-fed beef contained more than double the amount of CLA found in grain-fed beef. Cattle raised conventionally consumed higher grain diets has significantly increases in other various health implications. By confining our cattle to grain-fed rations, we are inherently decreasing their health and our own. I don't think it's a big surprise that if you feed an animal its natural diet, it's going to be more healthy and therefore supply us with a more nutritious product. The quality of our food is the key to living a healthy lifestyle. Scientific research has proven that conventionally raised meats are pro-inflammatory when compared to grass-fed. Grass-fed beef has a more flavorable ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids of 1 to 1, 
compared to 20 to 1 in grain-fed cattle. Thus, conventionally finished beef has fewer omega-3 fatty acids, which are known to be anti-inflammatory. Also, like humans, animals store toxins in their fat. The higher the fat content of the conventionally raised beef also contains higher residues of toxins from pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, antibiotics, and exogenous hormones that are used to increase growth rates in cattle. There are currently six hormones that are legally used in Canada to enhance beef production. Three are natural steroids, estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone, and three are synthetic hormones. These hormones increase growth and development of the animal, decreasing the amount of time to slaughter. And the European Union has banned the use of all growth-promoting hormones of livestock production. It's thought that the use of exogenous hormones used in production of conventionally raised animals act as endocrine disruptors in humans. So I have three tips on the ways to afford quality meat on a budget. Buy a deep freeze and purchase in bulk. Number two, purchase meat directly from your local farmer. Many farmers will sell quarter, half, or full animal for cheaper than you can buy separate cuts in the grocery store. And three, use every part of the animal. You can start by making a soup out of your chicken carcass after you roast a beautiful chicken dinner. I'll get back to teaching in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about a program that will help you transform your physical health. Changing your life isn't easy, and I've been in your shoes. I know you want change that lasts and focuses on longevity, because I did too. I've personally lost 130 pounds, and I created this six-week program for you, allowing you to focus each week on a different area of your life that not only affects weight loss, but overall health. Because I know that it's not just about you, but also the health of your family. Kickstart Your Health is kid-friendly. You are provided with a brand new weekly meal plan that includes an itemized grocery list, delicious recipes that the whole family can enjoy. You can learn more about Kickstart Your Health at simplynurture.ca and then selecting courses or select the link in the show notes. And my number three nutrition tip is eat probiotic foods. Science has now found that microbes in your gut are largely responsible for your overall health. Microbes begin residing in your intestine shortly after birth, which are vital to the development of your immune system and neural functions. There are over 100 trillion microbes living in the human gut, which is approximately 10 times the number of actual human cells in the body. And the human gut microbiome is comprised of over 35,000 bacterial species. Your gut microbiome largely derives its nutrients from dietary carbohydrates, which is why your diet continues to be the most important determinant of shaping the composition, diversity, and richness of your microbiome. A diet rich in fruits, vegetables, and fiber is associated with an increased richness in diversity of gut microbes. Probiotic foods improve your digestion, and it all starts with digestion. Okay, I may be a little biased as a nutrition consultant, but it is really important because if you can't digest your food, you definitely can't absorb the nutrients you need from it. Research has found that probiotics, research has found probiotics to improve quantity, availability, and digestibility of some dietary nutrients. Probiotic foods also boost your immune system. About 70% of your immune system is actually found in your gut. So your gut microbiome is responsible for the secretion of IgA and regulatory T cells, which support immune function. 
Probiotic foods also support your second brain. The gastrointestinal tract has been commonly referred to as the second brain, as the enteric nervous system is located in the gut. 95% of your serotonin, a neurotransmitter that impacts mood, is created in the gut. And a 2016 study found an improvement in depression symptoms with a probiotic supplementation. A healthy gut microbiome has been shown to have a positive effects on brain health. The relationship between our digestive system and brain is really tight, and communication between them can impact everything from emotions and mood to decision-making and behavior. The more science researches the gut microbiome, the more we are coming to understand how these bacteria impact every faucet of our lives, not just our physical health and well-being, but also our thoughts and emotions. Even further, an emerging body of research suggests that our food cravings may actually be shaped by the bacteria that we have in our gut. It is thought that because gut bacteria are able to produce hormones similar to ours, that they regulate hunger, and it's possible that our gut bacteria can interfere with our appetite regulation. A recent study also identified associations between two types of gut bacteria and how they affect one's emotional responses. They cite that behavioral differences are actually related to gut microbiome composition. And another study found that the hippocampus region of the brain responsible for regulating emotions was more developed in those who had larger amounts of gut bacteria present. Probiotic foods also fight inflammation. Chronic inflammation is at the root of many diseases and health conditions. The anti-inflammatory effects of probiotics may have the potential to protect against various health concerns. And lastly, probiotic foods help manage blood sugar. Several studies have determined that the supplementation of probiotics is beneficial in treating diabetes. Probiotics improve insulin sensitivity and reduce autoimmune response found in diabetics. The combination of probiotics and prebiotics, which is the fiber that feeds your healthy gut bacteria, may help manage elevated blood sugar levels. So my suggestions for fermented foods are kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, and kefir. And choose one and have it every day. And number four, hydrate. So how much water do you actually consume and is it enough? Before we get into how much water you should be drinking, spoiler alert, because it is probably way more than you think, let's look at why our bodies require water. For one, you're actually 60% water, which means that more than half of your body is comprised of water. Water is crucial to your body functioning properly. Every cell, tissue, and organ in your body requires water. Water is vital to transporting nutrients, regulating body temperature, and lubricating joints. And if that wasn't enough for you to go grab a glass of water, here's four more reasons why you should stay hydrated. Water aids your body in removing waste through urination, perspiration, and bowel movements. Infrequent bowel movements is a common problem, which increasing fluid intake may help. Research has found that low water consumption is a risk factor for constipation, and chronic constipation may lead to more serious health concerns. It also helps maximize physical performance, so the intensity of your workout and the climate can impact your hydration requirements. Athletes may lose up to 6-10% of their water weight via sweat, but the effects of dehydration may be noticed when as little as 2% of water weight is lost. Dehydration affects our body's ability to control temperature, increases fatigue, and increases our perceived effort. Hydrating properly has the ability to prevent and reverse those effects 
and reduce exercise-induced oxidative stress. Water aids in weight loss. Researchers found that water consumption to induce a thermogenic effect, which is increasing the metabolism by 24 to 30% for an hour and a half. Also, those who drank half a liter of water 30 minutes before a meal lost 44% more weight over a period of 12 weeks. Water also affects our energy levels and brain function. Research has shown that even mild dehydration can affect cognitive function. Just 1.36% dehydration is found to lower mood, lower concentration, reduce memory, and increase the perceived difficulty of a task. Additionally, dehydration has been shown to lead fatigue and increase tension and anxiety. Water consumption may also prevent headaches. In some people, dehydration may be a trigger for a headache or a migraine. Research has found that water can reduce the intensity and duration of headaches in those who are dehydrated. I know that you've probably heard the old eight glasses of water a day, but water needs actually vary from person to person and day to day. Eight glasses of water a day is actually an ideal water consumption for someone who's about 120 pounds. And I'm guessing not everyone's 120 pounds. The more you weigh, the more water that you actually require. So the question comes down to, how much water should you be drinking? I recommend taking your weight in pounds, dividing it by two, and that's the number of ounces of water your specific body needs to function optimally each day. So if you weigh 160 pounds, that's 80 ounces of water or 10 glasses of water per day. But if you find plain water boring and want to spice it up, head to simplynurture.ca backslash water or click the link in the show notes to download some fun, healthy ways to flavor your water. And number five, supplements should be supplemental, not in place of. I find that a lot of people would rather just take a pill than change dietary patterns. And I get it, it's easier, but I don't believe that supplements should be in place of a healthy diet. I believe that you should always start with eating a healthy, balanced diet first, and then supplement as needed. Every single one of my clients completes a symptomatology questionnaire to help me determine which foods they need more of in their diet, and if a supplement would be appropriate. It's not perfect science, and you could obviously ask your doctor for a blood test, but it gives me a starting point. And even then, I only recommend supplements if there appears to be many deficiency symptoms, where food alone would be really hard to bring their levels back to normal. The key point to remember is that supplements are supplemental. Food first, always. So if you have a nutrition question, just send me an email at jenna at simplynurture.ca, and I'll be happy to answer your question on my next show. That's it for now, nurturers. Much love.